All right, well, we are back for another episode of Touchline Thoughts powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. Um, today we'll be chatting some Champions League and some major storylines that we've seen. Stay tuned and we will catch you after this. I have not seen you in three months. I know. Time <laughs> flies Damn. when you're busy. <laughs> Your season took over. I started school. We finished. At least we did the preview for the, the women's Euros, which was nice. Um, yeah, congratulations was- to England, BT Dubs. Yeah. Um, on a good, good tournament. It finally came home. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it wasn't the men's team that did it, though. Yeah. Well, the women's team was very good. I don't know if you how many of the games you watched. but All of them, yeah. I had I predicted them to win, so I was like, "Oh, I have to watch every game. I have to be a part of it, just to be like, here, take my manifestation of winning." Yeah, it was so good, and it's been. I think it's been great because it's brought brought so much more attention to like women's football in general. A bunch of the um, women's games in England have sold out, have sold out stadiums, so it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's been awesome since then. Yeah, it was nice to see uh, a lot of the stadiums built, and I think a lot of the bigger stadiums were like, "Oh shit, we missed." Because it was what at Sheffield at one point, um, yeah. Like the smaller yeah, stadiums yeah. had the games when you're like, oh, you could have gone, you know, the news. Well, I think they figured they wouldn't sell that many tickets, so they threw them into the small stadiums. But they did, and then they realized six months before that everything was sold out, and they're like, oh, we screwed up because they started. England started at Old Trafford, which was packed, mm-hmm. and the other stadiums are packed. So you're like, if you're Spurs or you're West Ham, you're like shoot we missed a chance to fill for sure for sure but no it was good exposure um a lot of good young players came Mm -hmm. up that was really nice um but yeah Yeah, world cup's coming up next year right yes women's world cup is next year correct men's world cup is in a couple months couple months well actually in a month Hmm? in a month actually because we're we're actually in october (laughs) It's so weird. Oh my goodness. It's also weird having the World Cup in the winter time. Like I can't no. wrap my head around. I can't process it right well, now. Well, there's a game like every three, four days now, which scares me for the players' safety. Like so many players are like, oh, groin injury done for three months. Hamstring tear. Like your favorite Conte is done for three months, apparently. Like and, and um Reese James just got injured. He could be yeah. out for the World Cup. Bunch of players are getting injured a mess so i don't know if this is the brightest idea or like do you just go an extra month like instead of ending your season in may why not just end in june or something i don't know i don't know how it lines up with all the other tournaments that they do but i mean it was dumb to have it in qatar to begin with so agreed with with all the issues you know surrounding the stadium building in this the country and the issue with uh what's the captain's armband now being a thing with the one love uh, yeah, they um, Harry, they told Harry FIFA told Harry Kane. Well, I just saw the Harry Kane story. I don't know if it's other. Well, I think there's like they, eight countries. Yeah, that they can't wear the yeah. the um, armband. Yeah, yeah. They should do the Barcelona thing. You know, Barcelona wears their like talismatic captain's armband during FIFA like U- UEFA games, and then just puts a the yellow one over. 
Like, have you seen no, that? No, but I think he should be able to, like, go wear it. Like, the country, because that's a big issue in that country right now is that, um, like, same-sex marriages aren't allowed and things like that. So, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, they shouldn't be told they're not allowed to wear it. You're going to a country yeah. that has all, all these human rights issues. Yeah. Put on display. Oh, no, for sure. I think you're right. But, I mean, if they're going to ban them or, you know, suspend them or anything like you can do the barcelona thing and just hide it underneath and then during the game just like let it slip off and Mm -hmm. then they can't say anything they'll be like well you're where your captain's arm it's like well it's right here it's just slid off sorry yeah but i don't know how strict fifa is going to be i don't know how much money is in their pockets unfortunately yeah we'll see we'll find out yeah to be determined all right well let's kick our starting 11 into action champions league four match weeks have gone by as we record this some good football uh anything that you want to okay. you want to flag yeah it's been good it's, i mean i think last year was a little bit more intense but this year some surprises anything anywhere you want to start um barca inter has been kind of interesting yeah. i watched that game um when was that that was okay. midweek yeah wasn't it three nil inter at one point yeah, and ended three three. Which, well, no, no, it wasn't three nil. No, it was three one. Okay. No, two one. Okay. I'm just looking at the time of the goals now. Okay. Because Barca scored first. Oh, and I then see. the tie it they scored in the ninety like ninety plus minute. Okay. Which, I mean, I'm surprised, but I maybe am not so surprised because Barca's been struggling a little bit. But I didn't think Inter was that strong. No, I think they're missing something. It isn't mm-hmm. the same team that won the Serie A two years ago, obviously. I mean, it's a different coach. It's, I think bringing Lukaku back is good, but it's still changing the dynamic of the team because now you have three very good strikers. But now um, Barca's out of Champions League. Mm, well, there's Aren't still they? some games. No. If they had oh, lost, they would have been out. The, oh, they're in the Europa League group stage. Yeah. Position. Yeah, yeah, because they haven't, they're not eliminated yet. If I think if Bayern beat them, they're eliminated. Mm, and Bayern hasn't lost yet, so. No, but I feel like Bayern's going to rest some players. Because they're already through, so. Yeah, and there's no need to risk an injury. Or, like, I mean, any surprise, surprise games for you or any games? Um, I've, I've enjoyed the, the parity between a lot of the groups. Like, you see. Group E, like Chelsea's group. Chelsea, two match weeks ago, were sitting last. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're in first because quality. But like that, that's that been a close group. I think anyone can come out of that group and win it with the way the points are scattered right now. I think Milan mm-hmm. can turn it around. You take a look at the Spurs group. I mean, Spurs struggles here and there. Like they're not able yeah. to score so much. They scored against Frankfurt, sure. But, you know, not getting goals in their losses, not getting goals... Yeah. yeah. Well, I watched the first Frankfurt Tottenham game. I didn't watch the, the one last week and it, it was pretty back and forth. Like I know there was a lot of both teams had a lot of chances and Frankfurt had a lot of opportunities and I was expecting Tottenham maybe not to run through that game because Frankfurt is a good team, but maybe to have the upper hand and it just didn't seem like that. No, the distance was closer than you would assume. I mean, defending yeah. Europa champions. Yes, but I mean, with, the, with Antonio Conte, which apparently, you know, the, the Champions League isn't his forte for some reason. Like, he struggles here. But mm-hmm. tactically, there's nothing wrong with, with, with Spurs. Right. 
Um, I'd also like to add Club Bruges leading Group B has been a, a quiet little surprise. I appreciate them doing that. I mean, Atletico's mm-hmm. just been poop. Like, it's just uninspiring. I on red card as well. Yeah, I think so too. Just going to click on it. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, I guess it was in the late in the game, but still. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's just uninspiring football. Like, so here's a question for you. Do you think Diego Simeone should leave now at this point? Because the last three, four years have just been, let's put out a team, let's be defensively tight, and then it's just boring. Well, and I don't, I don't think it's working either. That's mm. the problem. Like, I yeah. think if they're going to do something, they're going to have to mix it up, and maybe that's a tactical change, maybe that's a player change, maybe that's a coaching change, but I think they have to do something. I feel like now it's a coaching change because I agree. You, you I think have, they have good players. Mm-hmm. They were but... talking players. It's just mm-hmm. the emphasis on defense. I don't think it doesn't work anymore because Atletico is supposed to be a top three team in La Liga. And now you're like, but you're not doing anything going forward anymore. Right. I mean, I think Simeone would be a great manager in the Italian league. You Probably. Know, like like well, a good pick up a like a Roma type team. And then I think he'd be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Good for Club Rouge. What do you make of um, Man City and Copenhagen tying the last game? I mean, 10 men City, right? 10 men City, but they still had the ball. I, I thought Copenhagen could have scored a couple. I agree. But, but I started to compare it a little bit to the, the Chelsea-Milan game where, you know, Milan went down early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chelsea was moving the ball very well, very quick. Like the tempo was not just north-south, it was east-west. Let's get them moving, let's get them tired. And you started to see Milan sort of fatigue out. I don't think Copenhagen did that well. And I mean, obviously I'm comparing Chelsea to, to Copenhagen here, but I, I kind of want a little bit more, like move, move them around. Like there's the Liverpool City game this weekend as we record, but like get them tired, like the Brina, like get him tired, get Gunduan tired, move that defense around. Like they should have, like even if it's nil nil, they didn't do enough to, to get City tired. Right. Uh, I don't know. Did you watch the the Copenhagen City game? No, I didn't. I did not watch it. So. So, from a player's perspective, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, they have a player by the name of Julian Alvarez, who's their who's their striker that night. Yeah, and every play he had, his hands were like trying to push a defender off. Um, is that normal? Like, do do strikers keep doing that? Like, you're a defender. Do you have strikers that like push you push into you every time you touch the ball? Like, their their hands are right in your back or your chest or anything? No, I th- I think it's a little different in women's football too. You don't see so much of the like pushing and shoving and like elbows being thrown and things like like the cheeky plays, but. I find it's normally the opposite. Like the defenders are the ones coming into the strikers, like always pushing them, maybe like two hands on the back, maybe a quick shove, things like that. Mm. So to see a striker do it, mm. I think that's a little different than normal. Okay. Like normally if a striker's coming at me, even if she doesn't have the ball, I might give her a little shove or, or like a little, you know, as a to defender. Tell her you're but there, right? It's not the opposite. Sorry. Yeah, I know it was just to tell her you're there. Like, hey, yeah, you exactly. Got a right on you. Yeah, but no, it's it weird just, for it to be the opposite way. It was it was different because I haven't seen strikers push off of defenders, but for some reason in this in this game, I think Alvarez was just like pushing everything that came in his way, and and no card, no foul, like it was just like yeah, 
but anything to hand should be a call anyways like you never can come oh he he just like every time because he was smaller obviously than defender but he was also slower than some of the defenders Mm. so he kept pushing in and shoving and you're like okay at at some point you need a cart at some point you shouldn't even be on the pitch yeah um i think there was a few incidents in that game uh, and a few of the champions league games where there's a few players that you're like how are you still getting how are you still in the game so is that um, bad refing, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think it yeah. was. I, I think there's been bad refing it's all. Smart playing. <laughs> it's not though. It's been bad refing throughout this last match week, especially where I agree. I think I'm trying to think of the match I was watching where there was one player who kept fouling. Oh, Goretzka, Leon Goretzka was like two-legged mm-hmm. challenges, finishing late tackles or whatever, and the man was still in the game. And then Kinsley Coleman abs- uh, like had a you know 50-50 ball and he and the foul went the other way and he got his red card. And okay. I was like, that doesn't make sense. This guy's been fouling for eight like consecutive bad fouls and he's still in yeah. the match. But this guy yeah. had two successive fouls that were 50-50s, in my opinion. And he just got the wrong side of it. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm questioning refereeing as usual, but kind of changed that something var can fix no because some of the like they're going to the thing like the the chelsea incident with tamori i thought it was light i thought it was soft i I think a yellow card would have been suffice enough give the penalty but a yellow card there's no need to send him off he went to var he said you know last man back boom right so it was a little disappointing because i think it changed changed that game and i think milan was 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 very good up until that point yeah, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of the time I get frustrated with the refing and VAR on the penalties, like the choice of the penalties, because I think a lot of them are really soft and would never be called. And then after they go to VAR, like, yes, even if you nick the player a little bit, they confirm it. But I think it's allowing less play to happen because mm-hmm. now it's like you can't even touch a player in the box. I don't know if you watched... Um, I can't remember what game. Last week, there was an incident in Premier League where... Thiago. Was it the... Yes. It was the Arsenal yeah. game. Yeah, 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 it was just like, oh, really? That's what you're falling for? And the thing is, is, is Gabriel Jesus, who to me, drops like a... Like he just drops every time there's yeah. slightest of contact. And that's what I mean. Like, it as a defender, personally, it allows, like, no room for error, not even no room for contact at all. Like, no, I can't even attempt to go for a ball because if you flop and my leg happened to be there, then it's going to be a penalty, even if normally you wouldn't even call that a penalty. Mm-hmm. Well, because that incident happened, and I think the next day the same thing happened, and the referee's like, yeah, that's not a penalty. Get up. So you're like, why? Is the why yeah. Why is there the discrepancy? Because, like, to arguably, like, that – uh, Arsenal Liverpool game was worth a lot more than what what the second game was worth, unfortunately. Right. I think it was the the, the Nottingham Forest and and Villa game. I think that was mm-hmm. the one right after it, where something like that happened. And move on. Like you're falling way too easily. I think there has to be something where, okay, if it's a clear foul, sure, it's a penalty, right? Like there's no argument on that. Right. But if it's something that's like a touch and you're dropping because you're looking for something. Well, I think they need to do better on, like, 
because diving is an issue obviously and and forwards a lot of the time are looking for the foul in the box I think there needs to be a better ruling or a better decision made on is that really a foul or are they playing for the foul you know like is am I stepping in I'm going to win the ball I get the ball and you go flying Mm -hmm. because I came in through you afterwards and they call that a penalty but that's something that you could have not flopped over like there needs to be better decision making on is it a dive mm-hmm. like are you embellishing the call are you exactly that's yeah. it yeah are you embellishing it or not because there's so many players around the league like Salah drops very easily mm-hmm. I will admit that I think Ronaldo drops fairly easily sometimes right but even like when I was watching the PSG game the other day like Neymar's on the floor every two seconds and is always getting a call like if you're a ref you need to know that this player is looking for that call no matter what is it really a foul mm-hmm. or is he just looking for it I mean to be fair though like I, I I'm on the same boat with you on Neymar to be honest mm-hmm. but there are fouls in that game sometimes with Neymar where they go after his legs and and those yeah. are clear but like you're right. He drops every time there's the slightest of contact. And I think it starts to build a little bit of skepticism yes, in, in the brains of the, the, the players and the fans. And then you go, well, that's, I don't want you on my team at, at some point. Like, do you need to be out here? Like, if I want a penalty, I'll put you on. But clearly, I don't right. need it here. It's just frustrating. I find it frustrating as a defender because when you're watching it, you know, like, the tackle they're going into the tackle and you know the strikers just looking like waiting for them to come in so that they can dive and you can see them looking at the defender right like but i I, like what's the extent of var then like why is it there well it's frustrating too because then they go to var and they see that their leg was sticking out and okay yeah penalty they point to the spot but would you have really called that in the first place maybe not no but now that you have var to go check it out 99% 99% of the penalty calls they they give it when they mm. probably wouldn't have given it originally. No. And the thing is like if the call on the field is penalty they need a lot more substantial evidence to reverse right. that call and if it's you- different if they don't call it and then they come on they say hey it's a potential penalty you might have to go look at it. Yeah. And then you're like oh like there was no contact of the ball. Like right. I I prefer those but I think once the call is made on the field they have to yeah they have to support it so like at that point you just blow the whistle and not make a penalty call or not a shout call just go check the 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 camera at that point instead of being like okay like whatever the call comes out of VAR now that's the call versus I'm not going to make the call on the field I'm just going to blow it dead then you then you kind of end up relying on VAR too much too like but they're already doing that to be to be honest with you like they go in if it's a yellow card oh it looked like it was a two-foot challenge and like just play on that yeah um or i don't know i i feel like they need to to set the rules and they're just learning as they go what is this year two of like two full years now have gone by so it's just unfortunate because like tournament plays coming up and that if that is like the difference between a 1-1 game in the 118th minute that's a little difficult yeah So. so (sighs) <sighs> you know how I feel about the AR. So. <laughs> I agree. Any disappointing teams so far in the Champions League? Um, I'm going to pull up the table again. Sure. I'm trying to think of the games that I've watched too. I know PSG is top of their table, but I haven't been very impressed with them. Yeah, but I've you can add them. they're in a group with Maccabi Haifa who 
finally woke up last week against Juve. Yeah, Juve but I mean, they cool. still have Benfica and, and Juve, so it should still be competitive. But Juve, but I, like, take Juve off the equation, I would also say. Like, they're so. uninspiring football. Uh-huh. And it's not even that they don't have good players. I don't know what's going on. I agree. But Benfica has uh, um, pushed uh, PSG, I think, well. Yeah, I mean, the last game was good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, like, good football. Yeah, 1-1. I watched I mean, it. Other than solid. Neymar walking around. But that's just, again, my own personal <laughs> issue. Oh, um, other than that, I mean, I don't think Tottenham's looked great. We kind of already touched on that. Mm-hmm. Barca, obviously. I yeah. think Byron's done well. Any surprises or any disappointments for you? I think the Juve train is, yeah. is alive and well. I, I don't know what, what they need to do next. And, you know, sacking Allegri may, may or may not be the answer. I mean, he's a world-class manager, but there's something wrong in that locker room. They've lost Kalini in the last year. They've lost mm-hmm. the Lit in the last year. Um, defend Like, midfielders wanted to leave at some point. They haven't kept a, a striker that's consistent enough. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what the question is. I, I like sure firing the manager, but then who's next? Yeah. Right. Like for some reason I've noticed this and I think it's across the board is managers have a very short leash. Yes. Unless your name is Mikel Arteta. Yeah. I was going to say there's a couple that are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but good on Arsenal for putting faith in him. I think. He, he, I, agree. I think right? that's a good sign from the club. But a lot of managers are going in trying to get immediate results. And then when they're not coming, they're panicking. And when they're panicking, they're getting fired. Well, I also think the clubs are, like you said, it's kind of a short leash. They're not giving them a lot of leeway anyways. Like there's no slack there. Yeah. It's like we, we're losing. We want results right now. Then you lose the next game. Okay, next, we need a new one. Yeah. But it takes time to adapt to a coach and a system and a playing style and things like that. Yeah, so. or plus it's like, you know, the coach plays a 4-3-3, but your players are 4-2-3-1. And you're like, okay. Yeah, we need to. That's going to take a couple of transfer win- windows, a couple of free agent signings to make it happen. Exactly. Right. Um, so, I mean, you Chelsea's the biggest example. I'm thinking of again. Like, I mean, Thomas Ducal's not a bad manager. No, no. I, I think ownership came in and changed. Pardon me. He did great with them when he came oh, in. Absolutely. I, I think his leash was way shorter than it should have been. But I ownership, agree. Ownership. I think he saved that team, to be honest, when he first came in, but... Yeah, winning the Champions League. That was huge. Yeah. I so know. I don't know. It's just disappointing like, to no see... Respect. No, like, it's disappointing to see, like, if you can't turn things around in a year, you have about three months after, and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Pretty it's much. Football. It's how do we make money? How do we get seats in the thing? And how do we get fans not to complain? Sure, let's do... Let's fire this person again. But at some point, you got to be like, this isn't the solution as well. So, no, but. I think you just let it go. Clean up, the, yeah. either clean the house, like players also, you get rid of all of them and start fresh, or I think you change the technical directors, or you can't change the owners, unfortunately, no matter how much you try. Yeah, problems. <laughs> okay. Anything else on Champions League? No, I'm excited for the next games, though. It's been kind of interesting so far. Okay. 
We have two more weeks left. Let's see if uh, Club Bruges can keep top spot. Uh, if yeah. Liverpool can keep pace with Napoli. Uh, and if Ajax can pull some wings together. Fingers crossed. We'll see. All right. All right. Next up, we have some big storylines that have happened in the, I guess, three months since we've done a, <laughs> an episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, the one, okay, I've changed my mind on one that I was, I want to do sure. because I think there's a more important one. And I think it's the, um, I don't know if you've seen it or fun. It's the uh, report that came out of the NWSL. I don't know if you've heard. No. So there, there was a big report. Um, I'm going to look it up. It's called like the Yates report, I think. Okay. And it was basically of all the coaches um, administrative people's owners oh, yes. of the clubs that yes, yes. have sexually assaulted, abused, neglected, like all the things of all the players. Um, like they, in named, different... they named people this time. Yes, they yes. named them all. And a lot of clubs um, took action right away, which I think is very positive. Right. Some didn't. Some are doing their own internal vest- investigations. Um, but I do think it was really important that it's finally the names are out there because I think a lot of the time times players have reported things, especially in the NWSL, they've been good to kind of um, they've been the first to do this. And I know it's happening in a lot of different leagues. So hopefully it'll be a good step forward for a lot of the other leagues to then maybe look into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's really great that they actually named the people involved and it's no longer hiding behind this. Oh, we released this clo- coach for uh, m- mutual release, blah, 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 blah. You know? Okay. okay. I couldn't remember the name of the report, but it's the, the link I sent you a couple of weeks ago too. Was, mm-hmm. was a part of this. Yeah. That blows my mind. Like, okay. So not trying to put it on the same level or compare it in a, in a negative way, but I'm just curious to know, like, does this happen on the men's side as well, or it's more common uh, on the women's side because of so many male dominated coaches? I don't know. I think, um, I'm obviously I'm not a man and I've never played in a, in a men's team. I'm, we were talking, we were actually talking about this the other day. I went to a basketball game mm-hmm. and we were, chatting and we were like oh I wonder what happens if this same thing happens on a men's team is it just kind of like oh shut up that's how it is or um this is the environment because I think now on the women's side you you there's that uh, there's that sexual boundary that has been crossed and a lot of coaches and players so I don't know if that necessarily happens so much on the men's side Mm -hmm. um And then it's the verbal abuse or the emotional abuse. And again, I don't know what happens on the men's side, whether there is that I'm sure there is in some teams, like you can't tell me that it's all. No, no, no. I think if we switched over to a different sport, I mean, the report that came out of the NHL a couple of months ago with, um, you know, John Doe's of the world and uh, Kyle Beach, sorry, I forgot his name for a second, but like that situation. Yeah. I've heard of it, but in world football, for example, I don't think I've, I've heard anything if there is like maybe maybe like physical abuse potentially in terms of like the way coaches treat players sure but like nothing that crosses I don't know because and again I think the culture surrounding men's sports and women's sports is very different Mm -hmm. and I think um maybe men are less likely to speak up about it Mm -hmm. based on social standards or whatever it may be and I think now the the women 
not that the women haven't been speaking up about it, but I think they're given more of, of a voice to speak up about it. And I don't know necessarily that maybe the men's players feel that they, they can do that or have that. Maybe. I mean, the women's game is growing the last three, four years, especially. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of media attention, a lot of eyes are on the sport. A lot of eyes are on, you know, favorite players, for example. So maybe, maybe it's like, okay, we have a platform now. So whether the league listens, I think there's a bunch of other professionals or other people that will listen. Well, it's kind of sad too, because like Kristen Press, for example, she was one of the first ones to report stuff that was going on with the national team. But she also wasn't a big enough player for the league to take. No, it had to be Alex Morgan to go do it, you know? Mm. So I think there is still like um, a hierarchy, like, oh, you're a nobody player. So it doesn't matter what you say. Ah, So you have to be like the star in order exactly. to get anything. But like, no one's going to mess with the star because. Exactly. But I, I, at the same time, the bigger players have to be like, hey, we're seeing this and we need to speak up. Yeah. And I mean, it's good that this report kind of finally came out and listed all these coaches, owners, execs, you know, staff members, whatever it may be, and, and it named them. And I think we've been talking about this too, kind of in, in my team. And I want to yeah. be able to Google a coach. And if something like this has happened, that should be the first article that pops up. Like if I'm going to a new club, I want to be able to Google the coach's name and if those articles don't pop up, I assume that nothing, they've done maybe nothing that has been worth getting reported on. Hopefully they're like a good coach and it's just their coaching stats and things like that. Yeah. So if I, if I Google a coach, I want that to be, that information to be accessible. So I think it is so important that these things are written about and reported about because it makes a huge difference. And we're seeing it more in the women's side than mm -hmm. in the men's. And, and maybe this will hopefully also promote or yeah promote the men's teams to do the same if they feel that that's happening in their club too yeah well so we talk about the we talk sorry. about you and i we do this all the time but it's mm -hmm. the morality clause right yeah like with that morality clause i think you should be subjected to a you know police criminal check i don't know do players go through that in your league where they have to go through a police reference check or anything like that or we don't have to in this league no, no. not that i know of but like adding that to the, yeah adding that to the thing being like your social media should be scrubbed a little bit from the surface right like i i mean i think it should be fair game and but then i don't know what the rules on privacy are or ethical values behind that but yeah but i think you can throw in a morality clause having to do with relationships with players relationships with staff members relationships you know because businesses companies have these things mm -hmm. i mean you look at the sorry company well, like you mentioned company and I don't know if you've seen the Try Guys situation. With oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, have seen, I didn't know the Try Guys were until my TikTok kept putting them on my feed. And I was okay, like, just a side note on guys? that. When everyone started talking about it, I honestly thought the guy committed murder or something because it was like so damn serious. I, I, I kid you no, not. I was just, like, an adulterer. And I was like, it's bad. I understand it's bad because he's like always talking about his wife and his kid. But like, uh -huh. I honestly thought he killed somebody and that's why everyone was mad and sad. And you're like, there's a level to this guy. There's Come a on. big level to your reporting style. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, I mean, you see it in companies, you see it in other places where, you know, immediately fired. See you later. Like there's owner or not, you're done. But well, a lot of the time, it's just that power dynamic. And that's that like coach player power dynamic or owner, um, staff member, whatever it may be. It's just a power dynamic. And I think somebody who has the ability to make decisions on players, 
make decisions on who plays, who sits, who's cut, who's yeah. um, signing, who gets who the you're money. paying should, for the the new contracts. Yeah. Yeah, should not have any part of of any relationship with outside of a professional relationship with those players. Like it's just it makes no sense to me. And I understand people fall in love and people fall for each other. I get it, but then there should be an HR setup. Where if that happens, you have to report it the minute it happens. And then, there, ha- you know, you have to be transparent about it. And if it turns into a relationship, then HR is aware of it at least. And if, right. if it was just a one-time fling, then HR also should be like, okay, bye-bye. And I think maybe each league or each club can have their own set of morality clauses, whatever they see fits their um, what their companies terms or whatever it may be their organizations mm-hmm. values yeah and that be it because unfortunately when there's nothing or there's nobody to even go report to a lot of these things get missed and you see it in the nwsl and i think a lot of the time the nwsl itself was probably may have been afraid to write about this because they don't want the league to fail you know and and if you have 20 coaches in your league that all have these bad records the league is going to fail you know nobody's yeah. going to want to play there or nobody's the players aren't going to feel protected and things like that so I think this report was super important and mm-hmm. I think it shines a light on the issues that a lot of players are afraid to talk about and I'm glad it came out I agree with you on that one it's it's sweeping in under the rug is something else I've seen is just okay well we don't have the the financial capabilities to fire the coach now or we don't have anyone to step in let's just brush it under the rug and then you're like oh so that's what happens if it was anywhere else you're done yeah at least for the most part yeah it's just it becomes a touchy sports is its whole other world you know and it becomes different than when you're in um a business and, and maybe you can work together but in sports it's tough when you know a coach is making a decision on um who's who's getting play time and play time affects if you're getting sponsorships and your salary and trying maybe trying to find a new club things like that so yeah it's, it's tricky mm. but yeah i just thought that was an important one to touch upon no and i'm glad good good call on that one okay what's your second one um If you've been following along last year, I think it was last year, there was an incident between two PSG players on the women's side where someone pulled a Tanya Harding and (laughs) smashed the other player's legs. And at first, Diallo was, she's a player on PSG. She was accused of taking part. She didn't actually do the smashing, but they say she had set it up. Mm -hmm. Um, She came out and said she had nothing to do with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it kind of ruined her reputation. So if she was truly innocent, I feel really bad because now that's the only thing. So mm. last month, I think there is another thing that came out that she is part of it. But last week she came out with a statement saying that she, she like is not guilty. She sticks holding her guns, you know, it's not me. I didn't do it. But there was a whole article that came out that she maybe has like a split personality and um they found on her google searches like how to break someone's kneecaps and how to like yeah it's yeah it's very weird oh man okay it's very weird and um um the player who was injured i'm gonna butcher her last name hamrawi hamrawi she just released photos of her um 
injuries because she hasn't really spoken much about it or done anything on social media after it happened and it's insane like it was she was beat yeah like it was brutal and they're accusing because they were in a car coming back from a team event and it was the two of them driving and supposedly they're friends and they the news spun it that there's this um, rivalry between the two because they're fighting for a national team position whether that's true or not I have no idea the girls that I played with when I was in France said that Diallo is a very nice person and they couldn't see her doing this and things like that so um, it's just very interesting it's very Tanya Harding yeah and the fact that it's dragged on for so long it's like new things are coming up all the time like this didn't come up on my feed so I didn't know about it but the fact that it's still there I'm glad that it's not like out of the sphere but like if this person if Diallo is actually guilty then that's just the safety of well it's crazy yeah because you know I felt really bad this was like a year ago I think when it came out so I felt Mm -hmm. really bad almost a year um if this player has been wrongfully accused because her career could be finished you know because Mm -hmm. of that but now more and more and more of the stories coming out. And, and last week, like the photos came out and the week before that, um, she had finally made a statement, which she hasn't done since it happened. So it's been very interesting. If you follow it, it's been, it's been um, drama on its own, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. No, Hemrawi also, like, was it, wasn't this one, like Hemrawi just made the switch from Barcelona after winning the Champions League or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then was like, okay, I want to go back to France. I want to have that opportunity back in France. And then like a week or two later, this happened. Yeah. Do they play so the I same think, position? Um, I think so. I think that's why they kind of pinned it like to be um, um, like fighting for position on the national team. But um, I know Diallo is like, they had arrested her, then they released her. And now they've not arrested her again, but she's like, I don't know what you call it, like in holding or something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah so we're taken into custody or whatever um so it's i don't know and because when um when she was playing at psg it also came out after this attack that she was having an affair with one of the players on the men's side like diallo was no um um yeah when she was playing at psg so like there's this story is so deep it's insane yeah but yeah I just thought it was interesting that more had come out and that she had released the pictures of her injuries so she's only played so Hemrami's only played for the national team 39 times yeah because well there was a whole issue with um the French national team that if you weren't playing pretty much for a French club they weren't going to call you into the national team Mm -hmm. so I believe that's why after Barca won Champions League she came over back to France to try and get um back in with the national team Mm, she did really well at Barcelona oh I I think he was a fantastic player but you know going sorry off topic again but Kira Walsh has done a fantastic job stepping into that role yeah for Barcelona um damn sorry I'm just going through the story again because I was like there's no way this is just so it's just it's insane if you ever want to if you want to look it up it's a wild story there's a whole I'm sure there's a timeline with all the facts that have come out and stuff so um but unfortunately Diallo doesn't have a contract anymore no. with any no club wants to pick her. nobody wants to touch her right now which I mean I understand if she's guilty that's that's fair and if she's not that's unfortunate you know dude it's like all over sorry I'm looking at the pictures as this is happening but her entire 
hamstrings damaged, her yeah. her hands are hurt. There's if you don't like blood, don't look at the pictures. But aside from like that, I think got, I'm, she got beat. Like it's like you know when when somebody does something you know illegal and then they get their ass handed to them. That's kind of what it felt like, but I don't mm-hmm. think that was the case. No, I mean that, and and just the mental trauma, I'm sure, is insane as well. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it was two almost strong a year ago. stories. Jeez. Yeah. Good job, Paige. Good good job choosing the right story. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll stick in France um, with the the Kylian Mbappe story, seemingly never ending. Um, can I call him a baby? At yeah, this point? can absolutely yeah. do that. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. I think as a baby, go read the story. I, I think it's it's getting to a point where he's unhappy, even though he's paid so much money. Um, didn't choose the team that was best for his career. To be very honest with you, I think Real Madrid was that spot for him. Now he wants to leave, or apparently wanted to leave in August after signing the contract a month earlier. I was going to say, didn't he just sign until like 2025 or something? Yeah. yeah, he's just making, he wants all, like he just wants to be the icon that takes over football. And now I see him and I go, I don't really care how good you are. I think Haaland's a better striker now. I was going to say, what do you think about the, the Haaland and, and Mbappe debate? I think Haaland's a better striker. The guy's just becoming a child. Mm. And like, I don't know who's going to go get him. Because apparently the only clubs that can afford a $1 billion release clause or whatever the hell it is, is, is if it's Liverpool and Liverpool throws back three players the other way. Mm. And if I'm Jurgen Klopp, I don't want him on my team. I mean, he probably does, but I don't want him in the Premier League. I, I don't think any team should take him. I think he needs to suck it up and play in the position the coach tells you to play in. And if you don't like Neymar and you don't like Messi, well, too bad. Wait till their contracts yeah. end. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I think he's a child. I concur. Thanks. Uh, speaking of Liverpool, I'm trying to connect the stories here, but... Uh, oh, well, look at you. Great segue. <laughs> uh, Liverpool, to me, has been probably the most disappointing club to start the season. I mean, there's... there's okay. I, can, I can toss Atletico Madrid in there. I can toss um, Juve in there. But um, mm. I'm going to say Liverpool. They look absolutely fatigued. Um, Van Dyke looks like a pylon at times, unfortunately. I'm so disappointed. He was on my fantasy team and I had to trade him. He's just been bad. Right? Like he's getting outplayed. Uh, Simicast has been a good spot for them, but Robertson hasn't been well. Trent Alexander's defensive liabilities have been a lot more on display. At this point, I think either toss him into becoming a winger or put him into the number eight role and don't give him too much defensive responsibility. Like, I think that's that's what it's come down to. That's fair. Um, yeah. Liverpool's aging midfield has not been replaced properly, and they spent almost $100 million on Nunez, who has been okay. He scored, yeah. sure, but where's the impact? I think they, they're missing pace on the wing. They're missing, a, they're missing Sadio Mane. That's I agree. Huge. Yeah, like, I mean, the ability to run in behind defenders – you know, you also let Divock Origi go and Jordan Shakiri go in the last two windows. You're, okay, so next player. window, who do you, if you're Liverpool, if you're Klopp, who are you going for in the next window? Well, first of all, try and find out if you can get Arthur off your team and your, your budget because that loan is, just hasn't been what Klopp yeah. needs. But he needs to go get 
a young midfielder that is going to run into the ground um, uh, or get a Tiago replacement. I think Yuri, Yuri, Yuri Tillemans is going to be um, a little cheaper uh, yeah. now that he wants to leave. So, you know, that would be a good pickup. I mean, Nubi Keita hasn't come into his own, so maybe someone who can replace that. Milner's, what, 37? Yeah. Uh, Henderson looks like his legs are falling off, unfortunately. Curtis <laughs> Jones um, finally should be ready for, back from injury. I mean, Harvey Elliott's been good, but he's playing everywhere. Yeah, Elliott's uh, on fantasy team, too. Yeah, I feel like they need to go get legs. And whether that means going to sign, like, 15 to 25 million pound young player that's going to run into the ground for you, so be it. But so anyway. do you think Liverpool makes a coaching change? Speaking I hope not. Short leashes? I hope not. I hope not, too. I hope not. Because, like, okay, fine. Hypothetically, in the world of football, anything can happen. Klopp is fired. Who are you bringing in? Uh, the Wolves, old Wolves manager who just got sacked? Probably not. Like, are you going to tell me Steven Gerrard is ready to take on Liverpool? No. Are you going to tell me that Thomas Tuchel is going to come in and change the defensive aspect of this team? No. No. Because you have attacking-minded players. You need a coach that's going to sustain that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I mean, fire, I'm sure, but Rafa Benitez, are you going to bring Rafa back? No. No. Who's there? Like, am I missing a, a manager that's Sir available? Alex. That's what everyone needs. Sir Alex. I mean, Mauricio Pochettino is still available, but yeah, I, I don't know. True. I don't think Poch. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think not for Liverpool. The, not the right fit. No, no, no. I I don't think they should bring in another coach. But you know, just when we were talking before about there being a short leash on leash on coaches, I wonder if it's crossing their mind at this point. I hope not. I mean, maybe, maybe from, maybe not from the play and the player personnel, but maybe from his interviews and post game and pre game, because he yeah. just talks and you're like, okay, maybe don't say that you have, like, he's comparing financial support for the bigger clubs versus Liverpool. And I'm like, but you've also spent a good chunk of money on yeah. players. Like you've invested in players over the years. You've spent money. I don't know why you're complaining. Right. Like, I understand it's probably like, okay, we need another midfielder, but we don't have the money for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but they've run their legs to the ground I think it's it's the same thing with City when the year that they didn't win the Premier League like you noticed a, a lot of fatigue a lot of jadedness a lot of a lot of slow legs unfortunately and then the year mm -hmm. after they came back fine so well hopefully after the break they can pick up a couple like you said young players that can just do the work and turn it around I mean you're gonna have a lot of guys that are leaving for World Cup as well and that's not gonna help fatigue no, I mean, half the team is getting injured every day. Yeah. But that's so. across the board. Oh, oh yeah. Like it's, it's, through, I'm, it's through all the leagues, too. So. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, you know, you mentioned Reese James a little earlier. Conte. Trent Alexander-Arnold's hurt. Matip doesn't look great. Mm -hmm. Robertson's hurt. Like, you, you have so many, like, you see so many of these players that, I mean, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen? Like, I don't think they took player safety into consideration. Like, why are we seeing games every three, four days? That's another issue. I think this year has been completely overloaded for players, and I think we're going to see more, unfortunately, more serious injuries, especially World Cup time. 
Yeah, but the problem is I don't want players' careers to, to be out. Like, that's the other thing, right? Like, somebody picks up a, a season-ending ACL injury, and you're like, you know how hard recovery is? I mean, it's much better than it was years ago, but that's still, still a it's still long a year. It's a year recovery, so. To get Unless back to your stamina, off. to get back to your sharpness, it's going to take forever. Yeah. Like, Paige, honest answer. When you guys had, like, the week or two in between the, the Euros and everything, and everyone came back, like, was your stamina back to the level that it was? No, you still had to work to get mm-hmm. back to the level. Sure. And it's only two weeks. You definitely felt like fresher, but mm-hmm. it's you're you're not back at game pace. You know, you're like, and, holy shit, that training session was hard. And that's like a normal training yeah. session. Yeah. And you only had two weeks to yeah. right. Imagine players that are gone for a year. Oh yeah. I I mean, I've done my ACL, so I get it. I've yeah. been that player that's been out. So and I wasn't playing in the top league in the world or for my national team. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. just playing whatever I was playing. So I can't even imagine it, like it, it's that coaches and clubs are going to have to be smart and hopefully they're smart with their training layouts and things like that and giving players enough rest time because not only is it the physical fatigue, but it's the mental fatigue as well. And that could be Liverpool's problem too. It's yeah. their, the players are mentally exhausted yeah and you know you see it like right now we're experiencing because we're coming down towards the end of my season because my season is um the opposite to most seasons mm-hmm. so we're in the last month of our season and, and you can tell like players are fatigued and we had girls who were away at euros we've had girls who had like they had no time off and things like that so yeah and we're not jamming before the euros we were jamming two three games in a week and now we're going every week but you know these guys with Champions League, Europa League, um, pre-World Cup games, uh, national team prep, then the World Cup. Like, they're going to be exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted and just talking about it. <laughs> well, we're both like, okay. Like, it's, it's, it's burnout. It's unfortunate burnout. 100% like, it's, it's burnout. you worry about workplace burnout for a lot of staff and students and stuff. And then you see it with the athletes. It's like, no, no, no. They're at their prime. They're at the top of their game. And it's like, yeah. yeah. But I'm very curious, like maybe somebody should come up with a study to see how many injuries come out of this. Like a They really cup. should. They yeah. really should. Especially because this is the first time, or I don't know if it's the first time, but it's one of the first times the World Cup has been um, in these months instead of in the summer months. I think it's the first time, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that correlates as well. Like I'm reading a paper for an assignment in class. Woohoo, academics. But <laughs> it, it's, um, it's looking at the Euro Olympics and injuries um, and like illnesses that come from it and it's like a staggering number i mean it's at the end of the day it's like the incidence rate is small but you're like damn that's a lot of people that yeah but you're not thinking about it's it's fatigue a lot of it like if mentally fatigued you're more likely to get injured because you're just not there you know and and a lot of these players they're mental and they're physically just exhausted and it's yes i love that there's a ton of football on tv that i can watch every day but i also get as a player you're like I just like we had a we have a girl on my team who she was at the euro she had no time off things like that and she's like I just need two weeks to like go sit down like I'm exhausted yeah and she's has a nagging injury that keeps coming up and it's because she's had no rest time so I again I can't imagine how these players are feeling the ones that are doing all like national team break champions league their normal league yeah uh, world cup prep things like that yeah there's so much going on jeez well with that good way to end it let's go into our break when we come back we'll do final thoughts 
After finding the remains of 215 children at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, Touchline Thoughts would like to take a few minutes to acknowledge the land we are on. We pass on our deepest respect and love for the lost children and their families, as well as the Indigenous, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people, who through our history of Canada have undeservingly lost their land and lost their voice in our country. As we record this podcast, guests and ourselves reside in three major cities in Ontario. We acknowledge each one now. We would like to acknowledge the land on which we gather and in which the region of Peel operates as part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of Credit. For thousands of years, Indigenous people inhabited and cared for this land. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, Huron-Wendat, Hudunishini and Ojibwe Chippewa peoples, the land that is home to the Métis, and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. We are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land, and by doing so, give our respect to the First Nation inhabitants. We acknowledge the land on which the City of Toronto resides as the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now the home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 and the Mississaugas of the Credit. In Ottawa, we acknowledge that we are standing on unceded Algonquin Anishinaabek territory, they are the past and present caretakers of the waterway and land that we call Ottawa. We are grateful to have the opportunity to be present on this territory. Now, over to your Touchline Thoughts episode. All right, that does it for us today. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, very happy to see you after so yeah, long. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So nice. Yeah, like your screen, your face popped up on the screen. I was like, oh, Paige, oh. I haven't seen you in so long. So happy to hear that. Me yeah. too. It's nice so to pleasant. see you. Yeah, you look good. Nice you look chat. healthy. It's nice to see you. Thanks to you as well. Yeah, I'll end it. That's my final thought. It's good You've got that you. PhD glow, you know? Do I? <laughs> yeah, you do. Do you not see the bags under my eyes? No, no, no. That's the PhD glow. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it now. How you doing? I got the glow. I got the glow. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, that's great. Yes, I'm so happy that we were able to find some time to do this. And we will be sure to do some World Cup stuff, too. So yeah, we will. Yeah. we'll have a couple more episodes, hopefully, before the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. What are your final thoughts here? Um, well, I'm very happy to see you as well. And this definitely made my week. So put a smile on my face. Oh, I'm happy I could do that. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I've had a rough couple of weeks, too. So I'm glad yeah, I think we I both have. <laughs> yeah, like it's been, I'm, I'm sure for you the same thing, like there's something every day where you're yeah. training, you're prepping, you're with your team, mm-hmm. uh, same thing at this end, and then you're like, I don't have like five minutes to myself, and yeah, I'm glad we can do an hour yeah. here. Yeah, it's been great, so yeah, that's mine too. I'm, oh, I've done my reading challenge, which I'm happy about. My goal was to read 15 books, and I read 16, so, and I still have a couple months. <laughs> oh, is that your yearly my yearly yeah oh, challenge. very good what's the last book you just read I just finished it's called the survivors by Jane Harper it's good I would recommend it I thought it was going to be more of like a psycho thriller but it's kind of like a mystery one and it's good oh, it's not cool. scary or anything I, re- I enjoyed it so okay. I recommend 10 out of 10 all right when I get free time from reading yeah <laughs> I might pick yeah. that up because right now I'm reading about like indigenous history which is like oh, cool. very very long 
Well, I can imagine how heavy that can be too. So yeah. Yeah. It's been truth and reconciliation is a huge factor. So yeah. that's been heavy. So when I get to it, I'll, I'll read a Jane Harper book or something. I recommend. So All right. that's awesome. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a like or a rating. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which is at touchline th. Our Twitters are culver underscore page and at our fun manjay. So follow us up there. Also, don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sport or check out garagedoorsports.com. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Good to be back and we'll catch you next match day. Cheers.